Good morning, church. Our scripture reading today is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. Again, that's Luke, chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. And the word of the Lord reads, Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. (coughs) And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. <clears throat> Not knowing what he said as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. Well, I was thinking that if you could choose any event in the life and ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ to have been an eyewitness, I wonder which one would you personally choose? Perhaps it'd be that that evening in Bethlehem when our Lord was born and the shepherds gave testimony to the angels that visited them out in the fields as they kept watch over their flock by night. Or, Or perhaps it was in the wilderness, when Jesus was tempted by Satan, would you not have wanted to see Satan's face when Jesus looked at him and told him that we don't live by bread alone? Or perhaps it was at the wedding in Cana, as the old wine had all run out, and Jesus took what water they had there and turned it into the best wine they had ever had. Or or perhaps it was that day when their disciples were out on the boat in the middle of the night and Jesus came walking to them. That might have been my place. When Jesus came walking to them out on the water. Or perhaps you would want to be there by the Sea of Galilee when the evening got late and Everybody got hungry, and Jesus took a few fish and a few loaves of bread and fed over 5,000 men and women and children. Or perhaps you would want to be there that day by the tomb of Lazarus as Jesus wept right before he raised Lazarus from the dead. 
all of these and more, beloved, would have been quite remarkable events to witness. And all of them would be on anybody's list of the most memorable times that Jesus had with his disciples. Yet I would suggest to you this morning that at the top of any list of the most incredible days in the life of Jesus with his disciples would no doubt be the day that Jesus was with James and Peter and John on what we refer to as the mountain of transfiguration. Transfiguration was not the actual name of the mountain. No, that's what we say, and perhaps you have come to understand that, but that was not the name of the mountain. The Bible does not give us the name of the mountain which they were on, and so since we don't have a name, what we do is we name the mountain by describing what went on there. And so it has become the mountain upon which Jesus was transformed. The mount of his transfiguration, where he was revealed. Where he revealed what he had been talking about. What he re, when he revealed to them what he had been walking about. The glory of the kingdom of God and its king. And Peter, James, and John were granted on that mountain, a privilege, a privilege that few on earth had ever had. In one sense, they saw what Moses saw, and he couldn't take it. They saw what Isaiah saw, and Isaiah was beside himself. They saw what we have all been promised to one day see, beloved. The glory of Christ. The glory of Christ. Not hidden by his humanity. His humanity not, not clothed and veiled by his clothes. But the, but the purity and the greatness of the heavenly glory of God the Son. How remarkable that must have been. The disciples had seen a glimpse. They had been walking with Jesus for a while now, and they had seen a glimpse. They had seen a glimpse of his glory and the miracles and the teaching. They had seen shadows of his revelation. They had seen hints of his majesty. But on that mountain, Peter, James, and John saw more than a shadow. They got more than a glimpse. And it was totally unforgettable. That's what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 through 18. Peter says, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we 
we were witnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Peter then says, we ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Peter says, I'm not telling you something I heard. I'm telling you what I saw. And not only, not only did Peter see it, John echoes echoes the testimony that Peter gives in the Gospel of John in chapter 1 in verse 14 where John says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us and we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth we have seen him we didn't just see him, we saw his glory. We know that he is the one who has come from the Father. The blessed Son of God. And when Jesus invited these three disciples to come with him up on this mountain in anticipation of what they would see, beloved. Little did they know all they were about to witness, what they were about to hear, what their eyes were about to behold. This moment was going to define life and ministry for them for all it would become one of the most remarkable days in their lives. On that day, they were going to learn not only who Jesus is, but they were going to learn what that meant. I think that's something that we if we haven't learned, we need to learn. And if we have learned, we need to learn again. Who Jesus is and what that meant. And when they went up on that mountain, they would learn that. And they would learn that knowing who Jesus is begins with prayer. It causes a change. When you know that, you start listening. And those three elements right there, beloved, they learn on that mountain. I pray we learn them this morning. Prayer, change, and listening. Prayer, 
change and listening. And how important they are to living with and for Jesus. Prayer, change, and listening. Begins with prayer. You know, the, the reason they were on the mountain, the reason they went up on the mountain was because Jesus had invited them to pray. You see that in verse 28. Now, about eight days after these sayings, after Jesus had let off teaching, he took with him Peter, John, and James, and they went up on the mountain to pray. To pray. This event happened. Don't miss that. This glorious event happened because Jesus invited them to pray. I want that to sink in a moment. It was to be a prayer retreat with Jesus. Now you just 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 stop and imagine that. We are going on retreat, guys, this week. And we are going to have a great time in fellowship with one another. And we can't wait to get up on the mountain so that we can retreat. But we are going on retreat because Brother Stephen Bino, Brother Morris Mitchell has invited us up on the mountain to retreat. But beloved, I love those brothers. Hey, but James, Peter, and John were invited on the mountain with Jesus to pray. This is amazing. This is amazing. It's amazing because they knew Jesus. And they knew Jesus was frequently in prayer. Frequently in prayer. His, his communion with God the Father defined his life and ministry. Define everything about him. And he wanted his time with his disciples to be the same. And so Jesus prayed. He prayed. He prayed alone. He prayed with others. He taught his disciples the importance of prayer. He demonstrated the priority of prayer. When his disciples in Matthew chapter 11 asked him to teach them how to pray, Jesus begins by saying, when you pray. When you pray. Why? Because the assumption is, is that you would pray. 
The assumption was that you would understand the importance of prayer by the priority and importance that I put upon it. When you pray, and with all the teaching that Jesus had on prayer during his ministry, beloved, and there is much of it. And the priority he made of prayer in his own life. You would think, going on this prayer retreat, you have seen me pray over and over again. You've heard me teach on prayer. You would think that the disciples would do the same. Not true, it seems. Not true, it seems. Though Jesus had invited them on this prayer retreat, they were about as excited as another, for another prayer meeting as you and I are. Come on now. It's Mother's Day. Tell the truth. Let's be honest. Very few, and I mean very few, consistently attend called prayer meetings. Come on now. We just don't do it. In, in most churches, beloved, I dare say almost all churches, the prayer service is the least attended service of the week. And we know that. And we are not ignorant. We know that we ought to pray. We just don't do it. And, neglect, and in neglecting prayer, we are no different from the first disciples. No different at all. Jesus went up on the mountain to pray. And apparently, Peter, James, and John went up on the mountain to sleep. For Jesus, it was a prayer retreat. For the disciples, it was just a retreat. Now, beloved, I ain't, I'm not throwing shade at the disciples this morning. Because prayer, prayer is simple, okay? We make it more complicated than it is. Prayer is simple. But though it is simple, earnest and extended times of prayer are not easy. I understand, beloved, they are not easy. They are not easy for us. They were not easy for the disciples. It was not easy because the disciples didn't just fail to pray like most of us do, but they went up on this mountain, and not only did they not pray, but the Bible says that they went to sleep. Okay, that's altogether a different thing. It's not like they got distracted, Pastor Phil. It's not like all of a sudden they were on their cell phones. They got a call. It's not like some, all of a sudden the kids got restless and had to get up and take them out. It's not like they had to suddenly go to the bathroom or something. No, beloved. They were in the meeting. And they fell asleep. Like the disciples. Like the disciples. We know prayer is important. There's nobody in here who's going to say that prayer is not important. We know it is important. 
And there's no missing this in the Bible. Spending time with God in quiet reflection and communion is so crucial for the well-being of our souls. We know this. We know that the Bible tells us that we ought to pray without ceasing. We know that the Bible says that we ought to be praying in the Spirit. We know that the Bible says that we should be devoted to prayer. We know that the Bible says that we should be praying about everything. We know that the Bible says that we are to be praying for one another. And yet, for all the clear and sober commands of God for us to pray, beloved, we still fail to do it. Or like the disciples, we prefer to sleep. And there might not be, beloved, a greater indictment upon us and the weakness of our flesh than this, that when Jesus says to pray, we don't, but we would rather sleep. We would rather sleep. But beloved, there is good news in this. There is good news in this. And the good news is this. That what matters most to God is not that you and I pray, and we should. What matters most to God is not that Peter, James, and John prayed, and they should have. But what matters most is that Jesus prayed. What matters most is that Jesus prayed. And what matters still is that he still prayed that he is still praying. One of the reasons that he is in prayer is because we're not. One of the reasons that he prayed is because we don't. And our lack of praying, beloved, is a sign of the weakness of our flesh, yes. And it is a reminder that sin yet remains. When Paul says in Romans chapter 7 that there are things that I do that I don't want to do, and there are also things that I don't want to do that I want to do, but I don't, one of the things that I have in mind is prayer. Prayer. And few of us, few of us pray as we should. Or pray as we desire. And yet, beloved, I don't want that to condemn you this, this morning. I don't want you to feel condemned about it. And the reason is, is because even when you forget to pray for Jesus, he doesn't forget to pray for you. All the times that you neglect to pray to Jesus. Jesus has never neglected to pray for you. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 32, when Satan was attacking Peter and Peter didn't even know to pray, Jesus 
looked at Peter and told Peter, don't worry, Peter. I got you covered. I got you covered. Jesus prayed for him. Jesus prays because my prayers are weak, beloved. He prays because I don't. He prays because my prayers are weak. My mind wanders. I grow tired and distracted. Like the disciples, I fall asleep. Jesus Jesus, beloved, is ever mindful of my needs. Even before I ask him, even when I don't know what to pray, even when I don't know how to pray, he is praying for me. Keeping me safe. Or better yet, keeping me saved. Keeping me saved. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24, 25, because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to him, come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. That's why you're saved, beloved. That's why you're saved. Every day, that's why you're saved. Because Jesus is saving you completely through interceding for you. That's why you stay saved. That's why Satan isn't ravaging your soul this morning. That's why sin hasn't totally Dis disintegrated your life because Christ is interceding for you. He is keeping you safe. He is keeping you safe. Beloved, it's Mother's Day. And I thank God for all the mothers who pray. And I thank God for the mothers who prayed for me. But more important than my mother's prayer is the prayer of Jesus. Mama prayed. Daddy prayed. The beloved will keep you saved. Is that Jesus prays. He prays. The Bible says that we ought to pray one for another. And I trust, beloved, I trust you are praying for me. I trust you are praying for your pastor. I trust that when I come to mind, you pray, Jesus, help him. Lord, keep him. But my confidence and my hope is not in your prayers. Pray for me. But my hope and confidence is in the fact that Jesus prays. He prays. He prays. Why does he pray, beloved? Because prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. And not only does prayer change things, prayer changes us. And no one's prayers change more things. 
And no one's prayer changes more people than the prayer of Jesus. And that's what they saw on that mountain that day. Jesus prayed. And things changed. Change happened on that mountain when Jesus prayed. Change. 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 Out of the prayer of Jesus came revelation and change. Because prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. And nobody's prayer has more power to change than the prayer of Jesus. And change happened. In verse 29, as he was praying, the appearance of his face did what? Changed. And the clothes, his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. As he was praying, suddenly things changed. They changed. Jesus changed. The man who walked up that mountain clothed in flesh and blood changed. That man was now clothed in glory, a glory and a brightness the world had rarely seen. Jesus changed. But not only did Jesus change, the company changed. The company changed. It had only been Jesus and the three disciples on that mountain that day. But suddenly as Jesus prayed, Moses and Elijah showed up. Jesus changed. The company changed. The conversation changed. Before Jesus was praying, now he was discussing the eternal decrees of God with the men of God. The conversation changed. Moses represented the law of God. Elijah represented the prophets of God. Jesus started talking with Moses and let him know that Moses, thanks for all you did, but I got it from here. The law is no longer necessary. I got it from here. Started talking with Elisha and telling Elisha, tell all the prophets, thank you for discussing, thank you for proclaiming the promises of God, but I got it from here. All of the promises find their yes and amen in me. Elijah, I got it from here. Change. Change. But not only, beloved, not only, not only did Jesus change, and not only did the company change, and not only did the conversation change, the disciples changed. The disciples changed. What happened? They woke up. That's the first thing, King. They got woke. They woke up. That's real wokeness, beloved. When you wake up to who Jesus is, not yourself, but when you wake up to who Jesus is, they woke 
up. And they saw something they had never seen before. Verse 32. Peter and the others had fallen asleep. But when they woke up, they saw Jesus like they had never seen him before. They learned of Jesus like they had never learned of him before. They saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. When they had woke up, suddenly everything had changed. They saw something. They saw something that they had never seen before. They saw something that had never been seen. The glory of God in the glory of Christ. They had gotten a glimpse before. When he had walked on the water, they knew that was different. The Bible says that when he had calmed the raging seas, they looked at each other and said, what manner of man is this? They had got a glimpse of who Jesus was. They knew Jesus was different. But this was something different altogether. This was something more glorious. This was something more holy. This was something more blessed. This was something more beautiful, beloved. They saw Jesus. And they saw change. They saw Moses change. They saw Elijah changed. They saw Jesus changed. They saw the hope of every Christian this morning. Changed. 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 This, beloved, is our hope. This is what we long for. This is what we live for. This is what we pray for. Change. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2, the apostle says, Beloved, we are God's children now, but what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. You know what Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 and 52? He says, listen, listen, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we will all be what? Changed, changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trump will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. Changed. Beloved, he's already changed me. I want to tell you that. He's already changed me. Can I get a witness? There's already been change. But, beloved, there is a greater change coming. Change. Change is coming. Change is coming where there will be no more headaches. Thank the Lord. Change. No more heartaches, change. No more backaches, change. 
No more loneliness. Change. No more tears. No more fears. No more bogeys, Pastor Phil. Change. Change is coming. You know why it's coming? Because Jesus prayed. Because Jesus prayed. He prayed for you. And he prayed for me. And he prayed that we would be changed. 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 You know what happens when people are changed, Philip? You know people, you know, you know what happens when people are changed? When they really change, they start listening. That's what happens. When you really change, you start listening. That's what happened to me. You know? The hard head got a little soft. And you start listening. Listen, listen, listen. Peter, in the excitement of all the change, naturally didn't want to leave. And so in verse 33, Luke 9, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Now, beloved, again, I'm not throwing any shade at the disciples because I understand. I get the excitement. I mean, this is something that Peter had never seen before. This is something that no one had ever seen before. This was a change that changed everything. This was a type of change that you didn't want to leave. I mean, it's the most beautiful thing you had ever seen. This is the most blessed thing you had ever seen. You didn't want to stop seeing it. It's the type of thing you look at that makes you happy. You don't ever want that to end. So I get it. Peter's error, beloved, was not that he wanted to stay on the mountain and make a place of worship. His error was that he wanted to make too, too many. Too, too many. But after Peter said that, beloved, there came a voice from heaven. And he made it clear. After Peter finished speaking, suddenly Moses is gone. Suddenly, Elijah is gone, and the voice from heaven is clear that said, this is my beloved son. This is the chosen one. You listen to him. You listen to him. To whom are you listening this morning, beloved? I know it. I know it. We all listen to somebody. Everybody is listening to somebody. 
whatever, I get to talking to people, and they be coming up with these wild, crazy ideas. The first thing I ask them, who told you that? <laughs> Let's go to your source. Because everybody is listening to somebody. We listen to our peers far too much. We listen to our parents, but not enough. We listen to the movies. We listen to the media. We listen to athletes. Because he can shoot a ball or throw a ball, he knows the answers to life. What do you have to say? We listen to musicians and politicians. Everybody has a podcast. Everybody's got a YouTube channel. And we listen. And we listen. Now, listening is a good thing. Listening is a good thing. Listening is the grace of God. That's what the Bible says. The Bible tells us that we should be quick to listen. Quick to listen. Listening is important. And God makes this clear over and over again. He makes this clear. In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 8, it tells us, if you have godly parents, you ought to be listening to them. Listen to godly parents. In Proverbs 14 and 14, we are told that if we have godly friends, y'all be listening to them. Because safety in a multitude of counselors, if they are godly and they know what they're talking about. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17 tells you that you should be listening to godly leaders. Those who God has put in charge over you. Keep watch over your soul. Y'all be listening to them. But most of all, beloved, you need to be listening to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Why? Because only Jesus saves. Only Jesus saves. No salvation in Moses. No salvation in the law. No salvation in Elijah. No salvation in the prophets. But Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 tells us that there is no salvation in anyone or anything except Jesus. That's why you listen to him. That's why God took Moses away. That's why God took Elijah away. That's why God left us with Jesus and Jesus alone and said, now listen to him. He's the one who's going to save your soul. He's the one who's going to keep you safe. He is the one who is going to provide and protect. You listen to him. He is the one who is going to make sense of it all. You listen to him. Listen to Jesus. Jesus only. Jesus alone. Solas Christus. Christ alone. Not Moses or Elijah. Not Abraham or David. Not Peter or John. Not Muhammad or Buddha. Not Obama or the Dalai Lama. It is Jesus. Jesus only. Listen, beloved, there are 
a cacophony of voices in this world. And each one is claiming to have the answers to your happiness, to your sanity, and to your peace. But I'm here to tell you this morning that only one has come and given his life for you. Only one. Only one has died and been raised again to life. Only one. Only one has conquered the grave. Only one is interceding and praying for you as we speak. Only one, only one has been there. Only one has done that. And only one is offering that to you this morning. Only one. Only one. Jesus. Jesus. That's why we sing. In Christ alone. My hope is found. He is your life, your strength, and your song. Be found in Christ this morning. Be found in him. Only, only in Christ. And only in Christ will it be well with your soul. That's the only way. I don't care what they say. I don't care how loud they say it. There is only one way for it to be well with your soul. It is listening to Jesus. Listening to Jesus. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can save. Only 